onto one of these uh, DIY sites and you could probably find, you could probably go and buy a BS meter. It's like Arduino powered or something. And welcome back to another episode of Refactored, where our goal is to help you suck just a little bit less each day. I am Frank Cole. And I am Chris Tonkinson. And this is episode 004. And I know I'm being probably a little bit, I, that's probably some positive thinking there going with the, you know, the, the, the double zero pad, but you know, I'm, I want to be a little, uh, I want to be up on this. I think we could hit that. I think we could hit triple digits here. No, I like, I like the pattern. I like the, um, I like the approach, right. With the leading, you don't, you know, as a, as a human being, as a carbon based breathing life form, we don't normally pronounce the leading zeros, but I'm into it. Well, honestly, if we don't have them, then they don't show up properly in the sorted list. So you've got to have them. Otherwise you end up with that ridiculous sort where, you know, you've, yeah. you get the ascibetical. That's right. You get ascibetical. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah. Okay. Calm. Coming off a few days of break. How about you? Enjoy your uh, yeah. break. Yeah. Yeah. Had a long weekend. It was mm-hmm. it was a good good break. We have a newborn in the house, so that was less relaxing than typical. But I'm, <laughs> I'm doing. I'm not over caffeinated today, which is a plus for me. Hmm. Okay. Cool. Uh, let's see. I have. I don't have anything burning to discuss, but I do have the 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 random grab bag of topics. Um. We could uh, we could talk about go back to um, we had a lead in last week talking about microservices uh, coming from that article that we had discussed and how microservices as a thing, I was saying, is is tends to be overblown. Everyone immediately thinks with their with their thing, it has to be microserviced. So we could talk about that. But if there's something you've got. Burning. There are there are hidden there are hidden dragons there, uh, you know. Just because Silicon Valley does it, that means it's good, and means I should be doing it too. There's there's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of benefit to them. First, though, I this is completely off topic, and I know we're you know this is we've we've even said as much. This is this is not a technology tech news. There's, there's plenty of that out there in the world. We don't want to go into that too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but no matter whether you are still largely tactical, you are still largely on the keyboard generating code as an individual contributor, or if you are on the management side. And so then, you know, Outlook and Slack is where you're doing your typing. Fact is you are typing all day. And Mm -hmm. uh, I have been on a research binge over this long weekend looking at, I'm sure you've seen this. You're, you're a big gamer. I'm not really, um, I have, I have gaming background. Like I have gamed, but I'm not a gamer. You have, you, you have, um, you have performed the game. In I the have past. performed the games, uh, with a Z. Uh, I've been looking at specifically at split keyboards, um, going. So you and I, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. you know, we're both big fans of mechanical keyboards. We talked last week and this kind of what spun me into this black hole. Uh, my pick last week was the DOS keyboard, uh, Q line. Um, well, it, there's another level of, <laughs> it turns out there's yet another level of, of keyboard snobbery, which is these split keyboards. And there's one, uh, it is called the, um, uh, let me, I forget the name of the company. This is ZSA, Zulu Sierra Alpha, ZSA Moonlander. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a they had a previous uh, Ergodox was their previous um, incarnation, their previous product. Um, Ergodox a, or Ergodex? D-E-X. Ergodox, D-O-X. D-O-X. Ergodox E-Z was their previous product. And this is a looks like an evolutionary improvement over that. Um, but uh, customizable firmware, it's, it's just, it's a really good looking product. It's ridiculously expensive. Um, uh, but I've, I've spent some time thinking about this lately and I, I might take the plunge. Uh, it's a weird, it's ergo linear, it's split. It's, it's got some other things that are, you know, not the same as a traditional, you know, $10 keyboard you get with your Dell PC, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I might, I might go there. Have you ever toyed with this? idea? I haven't. No, but I mean, no. you know me, I am, I am not a touch typist. I'm a, I'm a horrendous typist actually, which, um, is, I, I think I, a little bit ironic given what I do. I'm, I, I, I tend to, uh, go back and forth between keyboard and, and monitor. And I know that, you know, people would say that that's inefficient, but, uh, you know, I, I, t- I actually, I, I can get up, you know, 60 words per minute and, and, and crank away on it. So um, it's probably not as good as it could be. But anyway, because of that, the the notion of these split keyboards really holds no no real value to me because of my my bastard skills at typing. <laughs> uh, I will say there are a number brow. of engineers. There are a number of engineers in my company who do have these. And there mm-hmm. are, as you might expect, uh, some some what do you call what is the equivalent of a you know say an audio file in in keyboards keyboard files and I, I don't do junkie typist, uh, typist uh, file acolyte, acolyte. Yeah. it's got to be something with a religious tonality Probably. to it the way that these <laughs> well, I was thinking speak. about more of the scientific term, you know audio file but you know yeah. uh anyway there are a number of of the uh hardcore keyboard files i have a guy in my IT team who actually builds his own keyboards, crafts them from That's hand, builds, does the whole thing. He buys the keys individually. The case and the, the keys case. and the caps are yep. all separate. Use the, all what is separate. it, QMK, whatever the firmware is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, this is a whole, I, a I whole didn't, thing. I thought, you know, if you, if you go into the well-built mechanical keyboards, you're spending a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars for a Easily. decent keyboard. That's, that's, that's going to suit you is going to last that th- there's a whole other level there uh with people soldering things and um it's just nuts you know it's it's uh, it's really crazy but i'm i'm kind of i may take the plunge i may try it because it, it solves some solves some ergonomic problems that I, I didn't realize i had and I've, I've been having some you know soreness and things that i i think this might help so mm-hmm. uh, and it's also shiny so there's it's, that it is shiny um I had, let's see, one of one of my engineers tried the split keyboard thing and it came. I'm not sure if it was this brand. It doesn't look like it because uh, he was able to. Um, it, it actually I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at one of these ergo decks things that you that you linked in. It's got the keyboard is broken into two pieces, but then it has this this offshoot. It's jutting out from the body of the wing. OK, so yeah. it's got this wing thing and he had one that actually had modular wings and so you could pull off the wing and put oh. a different set of keys or so even a trackball like you could the, do the moonlander the moonlander which is the next the, the next iteration as far as i can tell of this ergodox uh it does the wings are not modular to my awareness uh but they are articulated so the the wrist supports 
the the thumb wings, and then there's feet on the back. You can actually adjust uh, the tilt of the main keypads, oh, um, and yeah. everything kind of forms. You know, for if you have larger or smaller hands, or just want a little more or less support, you can adjust the whole thing as a unit. Whereas I think with the old version, um, I believe the wings are static. It's it's built into the the, the main frame of the board. Uh, rather than this design where there are, but I, I'm not aware that they're modular, certainly mm -hmm. not an easy to replace. You know, I want to swap out, uh, you know, work for gaming for something, you know, creating. I don't think there's any, mm -hmm. anything like that. Yeah. Uh, so it just seems is... like a really solid, really solid product. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's a deep space. I, I am learning. It's, I mean, for the people who is. are, who are really into that sort of thing, it gets really deep. I, I mechanical keys, just so I get some nice, Haptic feedback when I push the key, yeah. just a little bit of resistance. Uh, the sound is slightly satisfying. Other than that, I, I'm I'm pretty easy to please. I have the um, I actually have surprise surprise a gaming keyboard, but I didn't buy mm -hmm. it for the gaming elements. What's interesting is some of these gaming keyboards actually dip their toes into these into these deeper waters of of software development and you know heavy heavy keyboard usage. And I have this one by a brand called Fanatic. And Fanatic is actually a professional, um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gaming team, I believe. Uh, I think they're based out of Europe. And they have two of them. Let's see if I can find out which, I can't remember what, what the name of the model is that I have. But um, they, have, they have developed their own line of equipment. And it is designed with this, you know, with a a high degree of usage and um, uh, and there's also the flash to it because it's got the colors on it. But the keys themselves, are, I like it for a number of reasons. Um, the keys themselves are elevated from the case. So the case is actually flat underneath. There are no bevels up the sides or between the key sets. So it's very easy to get in there and clean it. Which uh, that's is, the first thing I thought of. Does that does that make it worse or better? I think it makes it I, I don't think it makes it worse. I think it makes it better in the sense that you can get in there with a with an air blower and and mm -hmm. blow it out. Um, but the construction of it, too, it's a it's a metal. Uh, the, the base of it is metal. It's got a really thick, heavy cord coming out of it. It's got a it's got a really nice um, like one of those mount. braided. It's it's actually no, it's heavy rubber. It's actually a really wow. heavy resistant rubber. And the um I know I'm 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 butchering the there I know there's a term for this, but you know, where the where the cord actually comes out of the keyboard, there's a um um a gusset or uh you know, just like a rubber oh, neck like a, to like it. a grommet. Yeah, yeah, like a grommet where where it mounts. I'm I'll hold it up to the monitor even though I know no well. Maybe I won't hold it up to the monitor since I can't tilt it that high. So right, so I know no one can see this. I'm just pointing it out for Chris's purposes here. But like, it's a thick little extra nub on the end where the where it where the cord actually comes out. It's really solid, and it's got a wrist rest on it that's actually removable and adjustable. It's just it's really really well constructed, made to take an absolute beating. Yeah. And it looks really nice, too. It's got a really nice light up um, multi-spectrum. You can do patterns. Full, like full RGB. Yep, it's got full RGB. And then, I mean, again, that's irrelevant for, for the purposes that we're talking about. But 
you know, is fun to talk, fun to discuss. It's got a program in it where you'll get a, like an echo ripple from the key when you press it. And so you can push the key and then the, the lights radiate out across the other oh, that's keys. Neat. That's neat. As it goes. And so it's like this, this, this puddle drop kind of ripple effect. It's, very, Rippling. it's, that's cool. it's fun to see. It's very fun to see. It's a little distracting if you're looking at the keyboard, <laughs> but it's fun to see. Yeah, I do more. I do more looking at my keyboard than typing on it, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I've been fired for my last three jobs, but the keyboard is the just keyboard so gorgeous. Just, it's amazing. So I was really happy with um, I actually got a mouse from them first. And the mouse was also, as you might expect, very, very well constructed, very heavy, rugged, durable Um not weighty. Didn't it didn't feel heavy in my hand, but you can tell that it's made really, really well. It's made to get a lot of use mm-hmm. and abuse. So that's how I that's how I approach these things. You're getting into the much more tactical type of stuff. So I'd be curious to see how it goes. Curious to yeah, see. Yeah, I'm I mean I switched from QWERTY to Dvorak after about 10 or 15 years on QWERTY, and that was super painful. So I figure after that, I can do pretty much anything. Well, yeah. Uh, keyboard wise. So, and I, yeah. I, I got to think that these keyboards that you're looking at would support going to Dvorak, like out of the box. Oh, they're fully, they're fully custom. The, the way that the firmware works, uh, you can, uh, you know, modify your keys that change layers so that you can um, literally change every key on the board with a modifier. And so you get an overlay of an entirely different, you know, layout or option. So this, for example, the split keyboards, they don't have, I like, uh, I like the numpad. Um, Mm -hmm. I use it a lot and, um, the split keyboards, they don't have that. Right. Mm -hmm. But with a modifier, I can change the right, the right keyboard into a numpad at a certain location. Right. And so you Mm -hmm. can do things like that with it that allow you to customize. And of course they'll sell it. I think they sell it with blank keys. This Moonlander that I'm looking at, they sell it with blank keys or, um, you know, or like RGB uh, uh, keycaps mm-hmm. um, that they, you know, they cut the the letters in. So, so if you change them, you can move the. And it actually, so they sell it with like a carrying case. They sell it with a what do they call it? The the key puller upper tool. The um, I, I forget it, what the name for it is. Uh, it, um, but the key puller, yeah, they they, they sell puller. it with one of those because yeah. they expect you to move things around. And so, hmm. interesting. So, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the of the numpad too, and I would I would hate to lose that. So with these layers, do they do you have to hold down the modifier, or is it a toggle? That's customizable, customizable. as far as I understand. Yeah, okay. so you can you can hit a button and have it switch over to a new layout until you hit it again. You could sequence through. I think they support like five layers, um, or it could just be while you're holding it. There's I, I'm not familiar with all of the different options because I haven't taken the plunge yet, but I'm given understand if you can imagine it, you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm 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 seriously because I've I've been having some shoulder issues lately. I can't really explain, and I've also found myself. You know, if if you think about how you're sitting with the keyboard, your your forearms uh, angle towards your your middle, right? Your mm-hmm. forearms angle towards the middle, and then your hands angle back out so that they're straight onto the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And so you have this like Z. You make a Z with your arm and a backward Z with your other arm, uh, with your elbows kind of poking, chicken winging out to the side. Um, and so with the split keyboard, the idea is that you're, and I find myself leaning back a lot to type. And I think that's to try to straighten out my arms because it's not aligned right. And so I think with the split keyboard, um, you can type 
you know, at shoulder width that keeps everything, you know, keeps mm. your, your shoulders in line and, and helps open up your, your chest a little more. So um, I mean, that's, my first that's the, that's the main, cause I'm not, I have this DOS keyboard. It's mechanical. It's as fancy as I really need in terms of basic keyboards. Um, but it, it's still, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, but that I hasn't been a problem for you for literally years. See, to me, the first, my first suspicion in that kind of stuff, you know, you is not actually the keyboard. It's 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 posture, generally, which is something you know. It's it's you. Well, it's no, you, I've, it's I've always body. had issues, and this oh, is the only thing issues. I've not reevaluated. So now I've, uh, I mean, I've always had a good chair. I've got the chair adjusted to the right height. I've got the desk adjusted to the right height. I've got a wall. I've I've consolidated. I used to have four 1080ps. Now I've got one uh, ultra wide curve in front of me. That's at eye height. You know, middle of the screen is at eye height. They're rookie. Pathetic yeah. one monitor, you baby. One monitor. It, what is it? It's, it's uh, Q, QHD plus. So it's it's a 2K plus width. So it's it's a 2K, but it's got extra uh, QHD horizontal. toddler mode here with, with his uh, one monitor. It's ridiculous. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's adjusted. I've got that wall mounted. Like the middle of the screen is at eye height. Like everything else I have managed to fix the way that it, quote, should, unquote, mm-hmm. be. Um, and I'm still having issues. This is the last thing that I'm. What is the really talk, talking with in a little a more way. specific detail? Like, what is the actual issue? I know you said it, but like, give it, give it to me again. Like, you said it's in your shoulders. You feel it. You feel shoulders and wrists. Shoulders yeah. and wrists. And I've okay. and, and like I said, I still I still find myself trying to lean back to type at times. Um, and I think I'm sorry about the, the chair noise there. Um, I, I'm leaning back in my chair as I'm saying lean back like that adds anything to the conversation. Uh, <laughs> it's, so I still find myself leaning back to type and I still find I have a little bit of wrist pain at times. Uh-huh. Um, and I've, I've just I've changed. I've fixed. I've adjusted everything else um, and it's gotten a little better. But since I'm still doing that, uh, the mm. argument for the split keyboards and the ortholinear style um, is seeming to make sense to me. And, and it could it could solve my remaining uh, issues so shoulders and wrists so uh so just by by way of uh a comparison so i have had a um and i think i told you about this before for a while i had um i have three monitors because damn it i want that real estate and at one point i had two of them sitting in portrait and then i had a big old 4k sitting in landscape and i had the two portraits off center on one side and the 4k also slightly off center on the other side and the two in portrait were intended for code and then the 4k mm-hmm. was my command center that was where everything, everything else lived everything else yeah. and what i found happening was uh twofold one uh i'm a gamer and so i play stuff on the 4k and two as i moved away from day-to-day code and more into management, I was looking more and more at the 4K, that off-centeredness had me turned and I ended up developing this nasty knot in my shoulder that just would not go away. And to this day, I, I, still, have to, I still have to deal with it, but I have, I have found the, the source of it. One, I rearranged the desk so that I'm looking straight on, so I'm, you know, my, my body posture is better. But I had to do... A whole bunch of 
I wouldn't say it's, well, I guess it would count as physical therapy. I didn't see a PT. I go to the gym three times a week and I explained to my trainer where I was seeing the pain and, you know, he helped me, okay, try this and try that. And, you know, we, we worked through it over weeks and weeks and weeks. And I ended up, I would feel the pain in my shoulder on my right side, but in order to get rid of that pain, I had to roll out my entire pec muscle on the front. I had to roll out underneath of my arm, like along the inside and uh, like near my armpit and along my back where the knot was and then down from it too. All Mm. of that was like connected. Messed up. Yeah. And so it was, and actually the pec muscle was the, the big piece of it. Actually, I got the most relief when I would roll the pec muscle, even though I wouldn't feel any pain there. So when you Mm. say that you've got the shoulder thing and this wrist thing, chances are one is causing the other. And it's even possible that both places are not actually directly responsible for wherever you're feeling the pain. You could actually be getting some tightness somewhere else. And it may not actually even be your, it may not be your toolkit in terms of your monitor and your keyboard and posture, your, your desk and your chair. It could be something physical that if you stretched, worked out, and things like that, it could potentially fix it. Maybe. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I'm all for. I don't get me wrong. I'm all for excuses to try new toys. Don't get me wrong. I mean, go I for disagree. it. I, you're not. You're not wrong. Uh, general general wellness is going to help you feel more comfortable at work, uh, but humans are not designed. You, it it doesn't really matter how much you work out outside of work, it's been demonstrated that sitting and typing and staring at a screen for eight hours a day is not good. No matter if you spend the other 16 hours at a gym, it's still, you can't make up for sitting and staring at a screen and typing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I don't suspect, um, it it doesn't seem to get better with with exercise or anything else. Um, Sleep doesn't seem to make a difference. Um, and like I said, I've fixed other problems just by, re- you know, I'm down to mm-hmm. one screen. Mm-hmm. I've got the desk adjusted. Everything else is kind of where um, I've fixed minor corrections, have adjusted other things. This is this, the only thing that's still lingering. So I think, how many hours, again, did, you know, how, how many hours are you shut in up front of it? and let me buy expensive toys, <laughs> would you? Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, I would. Far be it from me to preclude you. You know, if your if your wife if your wife shiny. came to me if 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 your wife came to me and said Chris is going to buy this ridiculous keyboard, do you think he actually needs this? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, totally. Of course he does. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the posture and the shoulders and the wrists. I mean, <laughs> there's really no choice. I mean, this is an investment in him. This is Good this man. is for your health. This is for you. Good health. man. <laughs> now that that being said. You know, this is the part where she stops listening to the podcast and I say these other things I have found that most of because I've had some of the same problems, like I said, but they have all been they've all been me. They've all been, you know, physically my body. For example, one thing didn't help me. uh, I get for I am prone to uh, migraines, uh, but Mm -hmm. I find that I have I'm better off. I get them less frequently. Uh, simply, even if it's broad daylight, simply keeping the lights on in my office. Really? I, there's no reason that I can't see perfectly fine. I have two windows right next to me. That's, I, it's not like I, I struggle to see, but there's got to be just this minor amount of eye strain. Um, and by keeping the, the office lights on during the day, 
um, I don't get as many headaches. And so that's that was just one of those quick, easy, just solved the problem. I um, wonder if you reduce the brightness on your monitor, you would have the same. That's effect. the first thing I do when I take it out of the box. Oh, really? <laughs> that's literally the first thing I do. Yep. <laughs> yep. And see, this just goes to show you how personal all of this stuff is because it is. I can sit. And I and, and there's I it's one level more than that because the first thing I do is I turn I play with the brightness until it's uh basically I go as low as I can without feeling like I'm straining to see things. So the well, default sure. is whatever it is. I go down until nope, that's too far. And then I budget up a little bit from there. The second thing I do is I make sure I've calibrated uh uh, Flux, F. Lux, or similar software that, as the sun rises and sets, changes the red blue balance of the display. Really? That's the second thing you, I do. Really? Yeah, so yeah. You actually, mm -hmm. you actually utilize those. Okay. Yes. See, yes. I don't do any of that stuff. I, I, out of the box, <laughs> I just hook the monitor up. Does it look good? Are there any busted pixels? Nope. I'm in business and I can oh. stare at this thing between work. So and I'm then, in league with just a, just a hapless plebe then. <laughs> I, I apparently, I, I mean, my point was the, you know, the way that this stuff is so personal because I can look at a monitor for literally 16 hours in the, over the course mm. of the day between my, my personal stuff and my recreational stuff. And it, it just doesn't bother me. It has never, it has never been a problem. Yeah. I have followed my, um, my eye doctor recommended not wearing my glasses or contacts when I'm looking at the screen because I'm nearsighted, which means I can't see things uh, super far away. But the monitor is well within my range of seeing crystal clear. So I always make sure that I have that stuff off. They say that right. that helps maintain your, your eye health. But I don't really walk away feeling eye strain or anything like that. And I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's a if 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 I've just developed those muscles to a superhuman level, or uh, more likely, it just doesn't affect me the way that it does. You know, weak ass men like you. you know, All right, Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that's enough on that's enough on tech. Uh, I just I wanted to bring that up because I I didn't know if you no, had uh, explored that space or. But if yeah, if anybody listening. Look into mechanical keyboards. Look into, I think it's like mechanicalkeyboard.com. That's where you go. I think that's what it's called. Uh, there's a site that's dedicated to suppliers of like the frame and the boards and the keys and mm -hmm. the caps. And the. it's just, it's nuts. You get in there. Oh, this is a kit. And so break out your soldering. I mean, it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's a crazy, crazy world out there. Um, but if you're, if you're having, I, you know, if you're, if you're not too pricey, because this Moonlander is not cheap. This is, uh, this is, you know, like what sort of a, a price, what of a price range are we talking about here? Yeah. So the DOS keyboard I have, I think was about 150, I mm -hmm. want to say. Um, and that's, you know, I had for, the same one, for a, 150, for 175. Great quality yep. mechanical keyboard with a nice metal frame. That's what you're going to pay. It's going to last you forever. It's a, it's a great tool. If you ever, um, and if you ever used the old IBM mechanical keyboards, that's what everybody, yes, that's what everyone says. About so IBM, yep. Everyone has seen it. So, so if you've used that, that's what the DOS keyboard is sort of. And the of difference, just to explain, after. if we're going back that far, that what is a mechanical keyboard? A, a keyboard you'll get from like out of the box with a Dell PC uh, underneath garbage. the. Hot garbage. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it's all garbage, but the, the key differentiator, besides being garbage versus not <laughs> garbage, uh, is the garbage that the. Uh, there's actually a rubber membrane that a, a singular rubber membrane that runs the whole length of the keyboard mm -hmm. and then has these little holes with divots under each key. So when you press down on the key, 
you're basically stretching the rubber mat downward in that spot until you depress the the actual actuator and then that's what that's what makes your key press a mechanical keyboard doesn't have that rubber membrane every individual key uh, has either like a lever or a spring or some some it's mechanical, mechanical action. It actually it's, it's a, not a it's not a a, a, a um, passive piece of rubber. It is an active mechanical component, moving part. Um, and so you can get different keys that either when you push down, uh, the the resistance is linear from top to bottom. Uh, you can get ones where there's a little bit of resistance up front and then it falls. I mean, there's all look at all of these manufacturers. Um, there's the noise, the how much noise they make or the cherries or there's a bunch of different. They'll have graphs of here's here's the force over the travel of the key and all of this kind of stuff. Here's at the point at which the button actuates and you get a signal that, you know, I pressed the J button. Um, so that's that's what the mechanical keyboard is. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, go go and look at the graphs and it'll show you and, and you can learn a bunch about that. But the so to your question, I would say general generally speaking, a quality mechanical keyboard cost you between one and two hundred dollars. Sure. Um, I think this was one fifty, one seventy five. Like you said, you, it sounds like you have one that's similar. Something like um, that. And I paid about the, moon, the same for this fanatic one. It was in the one yeah, one to two hundred yeah. range, whatever it was. So the Moonlander is this split design uh, and it's I think it's like three fifty. Okay. And then plus a little for uh, customizations, you know, you can get mm-hmm. different keycaps, colors, whatever. Um, I think it's about 350, which is which is an expense. Yeah, so and that's I don't not know. a kit. That is that is built. You're not that's you're correct. Not that's that not together. a kit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I I assembly is taking it out of the box in that case and getting the tilt the way that you want it. Yeah. And, and so to, forth. to draw a distinction with the people we were talking about earlier, like my my colleague who's in I.T. and he he built his own keyboards. And right. He has. Literally he goes to the beach and harvests the sand and smelts it and gets the silicone and yeah yeah silicon yeah I'm not sure, I'm um, not sure how how organic he goes with his with his key or small batch keyboards sense, his small his organic small it's batch funny though that this CSA company they are small batch like each one is made it they don't have a supply like they each one is made to order so they say like shipping is going to be like five six weeks. Um, mm. Because they don't, I think they're, it's just a small company. They don't have the volume to predict, well, we're going to sell this many of that combination. Um, Cause they offer, uh, they offer a ton of different. Um, so it, basically you can get it in, in black or white, but then they have a bunch of different switches that you can buy with it. Um, so you can get the cherry reds, the cherry browns, the cherry blues, but you can also get the, I think they're Kali, which are the linear, super sensitive linear switches. Um, they may even have somebody else in there. I don't, I don't remember, but, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but it, yeah, so you owe it to yourself three to $400 here yeah, is, is a pretty significant expense in any event. If you are doing work on, on a keyboard, like we do, you coding, need to think about this. You, no, you, you need one of these, that, that piece of crap Dell that you got, oh my gosh, that thing is trash and then they, they, they fall apart almost instantly. The, the keyboards built into laptops are just horrendous they're horrendous they are i would say they're a slight step up in the sense that they are mechanical they've got a spring inside of them you don't get the feedback beyond simply you know you hit the end you hit the base and it just thunk but they're built a little bit better because they are obviously a lot harder to uh to replace but um the uh you know if you're if you're going to be doing this day in and day out you need a mechanical keyboard i think 
full, hands full down. stop, hands down, just because it lasts longer. It feels better. Hands down. And uh, yeah, when I when I travel, off. I've got the ThinkPad, which is a great T480, 840, whatever the number is. It's a great little machine. Um, but after about a day and a half, my hands, my wrists are just killing me from that mm-hmm. keyboard. I can't. And my wife's MacBook is the same thing. I don't I don't. Apple's so hot to trot on their um you know their user interface and and the experience i, I don't I, I don't know how people type on those on those macbooks it's it's, <laughs> it's literally it is literally painful um, <laughs> so anyway this is this is not the keyboard hour i didn't want to get into a hole we've <laughs> talked about talked about uh tech a little lot there I, so i think um, that's i i'm i'm okay with i'm okay with the interludes i mean i think it's all it's hmm. all applicable and no. um you know, really, it's 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 that. You know, going back to the intent here, it's it's that blend point between, you know, being technical and business and management and oh. product, and this absolutely is part of it. So, as a so, for example, just to you know, put to make you feel better, if I were a manager, I was thinking about uh, stock for my team. If you don't have keyboards, if you're not thinking about keyboards, yeah. you should think about keyboards. If yeah. you're a personal nice too. I, while nice, we're at it, mice nice, too. Yep. Uh, and you, before you order any of this stuff, you should talk to the individuals because they are, they're very, very personalized it and is. Uh, different. You know, like we said, you know, I, I use an ugly ass gaming keyboard and Chris is looking at this surgical thing. And, uh, you know, so totally different mice are the same way. I, I know, um, uh, our, our, our mutual former boss used a, was it a trackball that track she ball. used? And, and it ball. was a, yeah. it was a, it was a really odd trackball too. Yeah. And, uh, I have seen mice. Have you seen this now? I have seen the mice where the, it sits your hand up it's on its side. It's a vertical <clears throat> mouse. You don't, your hand doesn't palm down it's palm sideways yeah. so whether whether like you're, you're left or right handed your palm is facing towards your keyboard right assuming yeah, your that your keyboard's is, is in the middle and, yeah right. and, and so i've seen those oh, i tried that that was awful that <laughs> <It> was terrible <laughs> um so you could get i mean look into that kind of equipment for your team if you're an individual contributor if you're if you're a uh, if you're a developer you should mm-hmm. absolutely look into having your own equipment uh i have done it i past couple jobs i have brought my own gear my last yeah. office job i actually brought my own keyboard in because byo yeah byo is becoming more popular as work from home does um what i will say my advice would be and, and i know we've we've done this in the past when we've worked together uh rather you know we're working with developers because the so we can sit up here and we can say well yes you must have a mechanical keyboard and so immediately some biz dev guy is going to go, Oh, great. So I'll just buy my whole team a mechanical keyboard for Christmas. And, um, you know, then they'll right. love me. It's like, no, because it's a personal choice. Uh, what, what you and I have done in the past, Frank, and I've, I, you know, I continue where I can, I, you know, I don't prescribe a standard set of equipment for new hires. So if I am adding to the team, um, I would rather not say, here is the company laptop with the company Wi-Fi mouse and a hoodie. What mm-hmm. I would rather say is here's a hoodie and a new egg uh, budget. And so you go, you buy the equipment that's going to be best for you. It's the company's equipment, but this is for you to use. You pick it out, you select it. You know, if you want to, if you want to go to Dell, you want to buy something from have it shipped from Dell, that's great. You want to go to New Egg and 
pick out your CPU and your heat sink and your RAM, you go and do that, but here's the budget. Um, and I've had people that have gone and just bought a laptop off the shelf. I've had people that have, you know, chosen to, you know, buy components and build them, build their rig. Um, but the same would apply to the keyboard, the mouse, uh, you know, monitor, camera. Um, I require that you have all of those things, but I really don't want to be in the position of prescribing which of those you need. Um, because, you know, I'm, as, as the leader, I look at my job is to make yours a success if, if you're the employee. And so I know I, I can tell you what I need to have done by when. And then there may be some baseline requirements like use Git. But otherwise, <laughs> I don't want to be in the business of saying use this editor and this it's, I, because I don't care. You know, I, I hire smart people. I get out of their way. It would be foolish of me to think that I know what tools they need to get that job done. Yeah. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, I actually... Um, so I have actually dealt with the inventory side of this a little bit with my current position. So first things first, we had, when I joined my current employer, we had a policy where the company would buy you a monitor up to 250 bucks. And, uh, we have since expanded that to not just simply be a monitor because a lot of people already have monitors. It's now 250 bucks for your home office, whatever it is. Now we've been, we're, we're fully remote. We have been fully remote since our Genesis. And so, uh, you know, it's not like we're, we have a bunch of people moving back home. So a lot of people already had stuff, but you know, they're random things, keyboards and mice, perfect example. And so we expanded now, the it. expectation is the expectation that it's a BYOD job. Is that expectation set coming in the door? Like you BYOD no. and then we'll give you the stipend or no, how no, does that no. work for this particular, because, because the company's very security conscious, um, you know, it's, it, there's an expectation you do all the work on the company machine. And so, um, okay. So you're shipped a laptop and yeah. then given a stipend for whatever peripherals for, for, for some peripherals, I gotcha. would of course like to see that stipend go up, but you know, that's, that's a budgetary concern. I think that, I mean, yeah, 250, is that, is that even enough for a decent monitor? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. If that's what it was really originally for, for 250. Yeah. I think okay. so. I mean, you're not going to get, you're probably not going to get the screamer that you got, but here's the thing. It's 250. Say you buy, okay, well, yeah, it's 250 bucks, but I want to get this, you know, this curved monstrosity that Chris has, which is going to cost, I don't know how much that costs, but let's say it's a thousand bucks. Okay, it's a thousand bucks. Company's going to pay 250 of that thousand dollars. And so you got a thousand dollar monitor yeah. for 750 bucks. That's, you know, that's still a good idea. And it's up to the individual. It's a, it's a personal decision, it's a personal choice. The benefit no, it wasn't is there, my intent to be ungrateful by proxy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were. I didn't think you were. Uh, you know, it, it's better than what I have seen, what you and I have both seen in 99% of other places, which is exactly nothing. They, they, they give you, they give you squat. And so, you know, those little benefits, you know, you want to talk about managerial stuff here. Those, like, it doesn't take a lot to really make yourself stand out. Even on the job description thing, if you say, yeah. I have a budget, and it can be a small budget of 250 bucks, you get a $250 stipend to buy whatever you need for your office. I mean, that's going to, you're going <laughs> to win Buku points doing that. I mean, and it's not a huge amount of money. And you get what you get back in yeah. com an employee uh, loyalty and satisfaction is huge. It's ridiculous. Here's one thing that I've, to dovetail into that, one thing that I have heard from my people now for years, uh, because our allocation for it was, I will say, less than uh, suboptimal, uh, <laughs> training. 
So yep. for technology yep. specifically, uh, you're getting a Udemy or a Plural Site or uh, MSDN, whatever the you know whatever uh, um, uh, online training platform it is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called an LMS, a learning management system. Whatever LMS it is, um, the developers that they technologists look for access to you know unfettered most of the time they look for unfettered access and account into one of these lmss as a part of the package not just oh that's a nice book but if you don't offer that they notice and they raise the issue and oh, yeah. i've heard people say everywhere i've worked in the last 15 years we have had access to an lms except here we need to do something about that and i've been a fierce advocate for that since the beginning um and so that's that's something I look at it. OK, great. You've got it's it's almost you know, you have to list if you're posting a position, you know, your 401k, if you do that with a match, if you do that, medical, dental, whatever your normal PTOs, holidays, you have to list all of that mm -hmm. list, whether there's a stipend for home office equipment list, whether you have you provide access to a training platform. Um, that's a that's a benefit. You should be if you're not marketing that you're doing yourself a disservice. Oh, you're, I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely missing out if you do it. And most places don't, a lot of places don't. And then they turn around and wonder why they have a hard time finding engineers and why the engineers they find are subpar sometimes. Either, either why they have trouble getting people in the door, or why they have trouble keeping people there once they're there. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can, it can sometimes now you got one guy that leaves because he is, you know, uh, he's an ingrate then all right, good riddance. You find somebody else, but, mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of places don't do a great job with their exit interviews and they don't do it oh, yeah. specifically feeding that information back to the hiring manager and that chain of command for the division. Um, because that's the kind of information somebody just it doesn't take many people on an exit interview to say, you know, access to an LMS was one of my reasons for departing. Like this is one of the th or flipped on its head. I took another job. One of the reasons is that they offered an LMS. Mm -hmm. You can you know, say that both ways. Yeah. It doesn't take many of them. And then you go to the finance team and you say, how much does it cost us to turn over a position? It doesn't take <laughs> long before that starts to make a case for itself. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the cost of a lost employee is exorbitant. Crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. And you know, any place that tells you otherwise obviously hasn't done the math because you got to factor in the time it takes for uh, hire finding and then doing the interviews and then going through the hiring process and then their training warm up time where they're not actually making any money, but they're costing you money on their salary, their manager's time, their manager's manager's time. It's it, it adds up so, so stinking fast that it's it's almost a no brainer to do to do that, that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. And do an audit with your HR team. How much, you know, how much time as a, as a group, uh, your HR finance accounting, whoever it is, IT, whoever's involved IT, in that onboarding process, IT. IT, what percentage of your time as a group last quarter was spent on onboarding, right? You <laughs> aggregate that across the organization and you say, this is how many people we lost. Or this is how many, how many people we brought in who are replacements. Let's just mm -hmm. put it that way. This mm -hmm. is how many, how many replacements we brought in and onboarded. This is how much we spent. So each one cost us this amount that doesn't count the soft cost of losing the person we had and their tribal knowledge and their, uh, you know, their contribution you to know, the culture. Whole... It also doesn't account the soft cost of now having somebody who's in their seat, but is not up to speed as productive, but just dollars and cents on a quarterly basis. This is how much it costs. We need to pay attention to retaining. 
And that's that's a it's a tough conversation to have because often as technical managers, depending on where you're at in the org chart, you, you may not have the clout, you may not have the access, or you may just not have the contacts elsewhere in the organization to try to put those things together. Um, uh, you know, and then at some point you got to be careful because some of those people might seem to think like maybe you're trying to do their job and that won't be received real well. <laughs> well, I, you you have to. You know, you have to work inside. I mean, this is the difference between being in a big corporate environment versus a a smaller business environment. If you like having your hands in a lot of different pies, you shouldn't be in a large corporate environment because you'll run into those walls and you'll want to do things and that'll rub people the wrong way. Whereas in a, smaller, so. yeah. in a smaller environment, you're going to be able to do lots of different things and have your hands in lots of different things. And they like that yeah. because... There aren't enough people, and so getting that work done is is really you know important. Yeah. The other Smaller thing that company I'll, forces uh, the generalist mindset more often. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The other thing I would talk about when you talk about analyzing your departures, look at. So we just finished doing this actually, um, and I obviously can't share results, but uh, a couple of things that I would definitely make sure that you look at. Take a look at. Um, Obviously, who's leaving voluntary versus involuntary? You know, who who's saying peace out, and who is saying and who you're actually terminating, who you're firing. I would also look at your regrettable versus non-regrettable departures. Now, what does that mean? A regrettable departure means that you regret that this person is leaving your company. Ah, I really like them. They were really good to the company. They were valuable to the company. I wish we hadn't lost them. Non-regrettable means. They're leaving, whether voluntary or involuntary, because you can have a, you can have people who are non-regrettable who leave on their own. Non-regrettable means it's not a big loss to the company. I can find somebody better, cheaper, whatever. And so you need to look at those and then look at the cross-section of that matrix too. Uh, that usually has some really interesting results. For example, if you have, if you look at your, your total numbers, and the vast majority of your departures are voluntary, regrettable. That means that's you a suck. issue. That's a that's you a big problem. Issue. Yeah, <laughs> that means really you're not doing something this. right. <laughs> you need to fix that. If a lot of them are voluntary, non-regrettable, then your hiring process has a problem. You're bringing mm -hmm. in people who don't really fit, and so you need to go back and look at your at your hiring process. So that's the first thing. The other thing that I would look at, too, is you've got to watch snapshots in time. It's very easy. So most places do an annual uh, a rolling 12 month um, retention or, or turnover number. And so you look at, OK, from today, past 12 months, what's our retention rate look like, which is a good number. I mean, you watch that. It's a it's, it's a it's a measuring mm -hmm. stick. It's a, it's a temperature check. However, your hiring process and your business change over time. And the thing that that doesn't capture is those kinds of changes. And so what you want to do, in addition to looking at that number, is you're going to want to look at, uh, you're going to want to look at, I, I call them snapshots. There's probably an actual term for this that an HR person would know. But take a given calendar year, say, class. The same way we did in school, you know, the class of 2020. These are the people whom your company hired in 2020, okay? And you're going to want to watch that group of people because it's a finite fixed group. It's everyone you hired from January 1 to December 31st. And you're going to want to watch them 
over the coming years? How many of them stay with you? How many of them leave? Now, that number is ne- it is never going to get bigger. It will only ever shrink. But how fast does it shrink? And what's the attrition rate for that specific What's the class? attrition rate for so So you can see how you actually are doing over time by looking at those clumps of classes. We did this, for example, and we saw that our attrition rate was actually going down. We have seen we have seen numbers going in ways that we wanted to fix. And but we also noticed that, hey, but our but our per class attrition is actually going down. We're retaining more people over longer periods of time. And so mm-hmm. while we have some blips right now that we're not happy with, this number actually indicates that we're doing most things right. And the problem is somewhere else. So that's a that's that's another thing to look at. So the numbers are for that kind of stuff actually tell you a whole heck of a lot because of the, the the nature of that decision. I mean, that is an overt decision that you are capturing. The company decided to let someone go. A person decided to voluntarily leave. And, you, there's, and there's lots that leads up to that. And so there's actually a lot of value and weight in there. You can figure out pretty quickly where your problem is. And again, if you're if you've got a lot of voluntary regrettable departures, you suck. <laughs> you need to stop sucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stop. You need to suck a lot less. You need to suck a lot <laughs> less as a company. <laughs> and unfortunately, that's where you're that's where things get sticky because now, okay, well, why? And I mean, that's usually a top-down thing. And uh, you've got to, you know, that's self-reflection on a, on a company level that mm-hmm. you as an individual project lead well, and, there's, and so the, the attraction, I don't care whether your company's large or small, traction on that could be problematic if you start to say, okay, here's our overall, uh, here's our overall turnover rate or here's voluntary versus, I like that, I like that framework, that matrix, that two mm-hmm. by two yeah, it's uh, an easy voluntary one. versus regrettable. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that matrix breakdown. Mm-hmm. If <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what happened. You'd have to structure this the right way, but to try to break that down by division, by department, however your company's organized, mm-hmm. um, or or by hiring manager, then then you know you're talking about uh, smaller teams. The numbers may not make any sense in that context. So you reach a certain you'd have point to go where it's probably it's, to a high enough level where you can get enough data to make sense of it. Department's um, usually good enough. Department is yeah. usually good enough. You actually want to avoid going company wide because now you're lumping engineering in with HR and sales, which yeah. they are fundamentally going to have different churn rates. They're going to have different tenure expectations and and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Well, no, but 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 I think you've got to, or at least you've got to, you've got to structure it such that those departments can participate if they like. Because the the unfortunate reality is, yeah, they may be different departments, but if you've got so much turnover that you're, let's say, you have use a recruiting platform like a ZipRecruiter, or you do, you know, Indeed or whatever the you know platform is, Stack Overflow, if you're mm-hmm. development, um, or if you use uh, talent search agencies, you're paying a lot per candidate. To, mm-hmm. to go out and actually yeah. procure them, to actually get them uh, to a decision point. Um, and the unfortunate truth is, if, there's, if, if let's say you have an HR department with semi-centralized or more, you know, semi or greater centralized hiring practices, there may be another department that's burning through people and chewing up budget that means you can't do the things you want to do. On mm-hmm. the on the recruitment side, mm-hmm. um, and so it may be somebody else's problem that becomes your problem. Yep. Um, now, 
one thing to, to sort of tighten this up, because you, you mentioned, uh, you, I, I think you just dropped it offhand. You were talking about how, you know, if you, you start doing this digging, you might upset people in certain areas, you know, you can, you can, who don't have the suck less mentality, who don't necessarily have the suck less mentality, or you're in a larger enterprise and you're doing work that somebody, they want to suck be- exactly the level that they're currently sucking. Well, right. Because they're just, they're just coasting. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, so if you are in one of those situations where you find that, that kind of a thing, you have to make a decision for yourself. Now the, the default is obviously, well, I like my job. I want to stay employed. And so, you know, find the wall when you hit the wall, back off and keep your head down. I, I get that. I won't fault anyone for doing that. However, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got came from the former head of Commerce Bank. Uh, and his name is escaping me. And I will look it up and try and get it in here before the end of the show. Um he was the founder of Commerce Bank, which was an East Coast banking chain. It was bought by TD Bank. TD Bank was originally Canadian. They bought Commerce to get into the U.S. The first Commerce Bank uh, branch was actually in my uh, in my hometown. It was there. There they were headquartered in in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and the first one was their first chain was actually in Marlton, and that was where I actually had my. Uh, my account. And um, I had opportunity to actually hear uh, Vernon Hill. There's his name. I found it. So Vernon Hill is the founder of Commerce Bank. And I had opportunity to hear him speak. And I actually got to go up to him afterwards and talk to him. And I, at the time, was having a problem at work where I, it was this kind of a situation. I was trying to get a thing done that I knew we absolutely I was 100%, we must do this. This must happen. And I was getting just stonewalled over and over and over again. And so I said to him, I, try, I went up to him. I was in my mid-20s. And I went up to him thinking I'm going to explain the situation. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm saying. Here's what they're saying. I'm trying to get his feedback and that kind of stuff. And I start giving him the story and he cuts me off. He's like, just stop. It, something has to change. I'm like, well, yeah, Vernon, that's why I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm hoping you can tell me what has to change. He says, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. Something has to change. Either the situation changes, you're able to make a change, or you change. Those are the only two options that can happen. So either the situation changes and resolves itself, or you change. Now, you changing has one, is one of two things. Keep your head down or you change, you leave and find somewhere else to be and find somewhere else to go. And we are fortunate in the work that we do where, I mean, <laughs> what did we always say when we, when we were doing freelance, we, we, we write damn good code and learn new domains. So, you know, there was no industry limitations on, on tech work literally anywhere anymore. So you're in demand everywhere. You can change at any time. Most companies, okay, some companies know this. Others are getting wiser to it. It's better than it was 10 years ago, for sure. So, and I would say too that I, I had an experience where, um, I, a long story short, I, I came to an appreciation of a new definition for what job security is. And I don't know if we've talked about this on the show yet, but no, uh, in, so. in my opinion, there's no company that's stable. You may think it is, your job could be gone tomorrow. My oh, yeah. job could be done. I mean, it's just it's this, this life offers you no guarantees, period. 
I, I don't care where you are, who you are, what you're doing. You, you don't have any guarantee about tomorrow. So uh, job stability, job security doesn't exist as you think it does. It's a security my, blanket. It's, it's, it's my not incredibly humble opinion, I'll admit, uh, after having seen this play out in a number of different ways. <laughs> uh, job security is nothing to do with your current company at all. Job security is your ability to go out and get work when you need it. Fortunately, we are in a kind of second heyday of technology. Work from home is facilitating a greater pool for matching talent with need. Um, but, but job security is, is, um, is a joke unless you, in my opinion, you define it as your ability to go out, leave the cave, kill something and drag it home when you're hungry. And Mm -hmm. so, um, I think most everybody listening here would, would fall into the category of, of being pretty dang secure given the market and where the industry is and where it's looks like it's going to go in the next five years. Um, so that's, that's some positive news. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, my point in bringing that up though, is, you know, if you're, if you're doing this kind of assessment and you, you run into this, Really, you know, I think you should, in general, feel um, bullish on pushing what you think is right. If you're confident, like you've got to have your information straight. You you don't want to go off half cocked with don't go off half cocked. You got to know your stuff. But if you're if you've got everything down pat, I think you should go for it. And if the company doesn't, you know, if the company pushes back and says no, then you make the change because and ultimately, ultimately, you decide what your level of pain tolerance is. You know, you get this, there's, if you, if, if you got to bend over and pick up a crumpled up piece of paper off the uh, hallway floor, well, that's annoying. It's probably not in your job description. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a very little pain and your paycheck is probably worth it. So you're going to do it (laughs) and and you're not going to worry about it anymore. Uh, If you're constantly being screamed at by your boss eight hours per day, I don't know that I care what your salary is. You probably that's not worth the pain, right? So where you are in yeah. between those two extremes um, is an individual decision. And if you, if importantly, if you've not thought about what your pain tolerance is, what it is that your uh, current salary is worth, I would do that because you may you may find that you know what it's not so bad, or you may find you know what, there's no changing this situation. I need to find somewhere else to be. I've seen people do that and be wildly happy with the results. Um, And I've also seen people (laughs) calm the hell down because they got a reality check and said, you know what, in perspective, this is really not that bad. I'm just going to focus elsewhere. You know, (laughs) no company's perfect, right? People are imperfect. And so companies just being conglomerations of people glued together under under a logo are also imperfect. And so in my opinion, it's about finding the company whose brand of imperfection complements your own. You know, what, what, <laughs> what, what, what type of imperfection can you personally handle? Um, and that doesn't mean you don't have goals to fix it. It doesn't mean you're trying to suck less. It doesn't mean you don't try to improve it, but it means there's some things out of your power and you got to be okay with that at some level. How high, how, what is the, how high does the, the reading on your BS meter go? Like what's the maximum number? <laughs> On your BS meter, if it goes off, you know, if you have a lower number, then you know you might you might be moving around a little bit more. But you know, a higher number. The funny thing is, I guarantee you can go onto one of these uh, DIY sites, and you could probably find you could probably go and buy a BS meter. It's like Arduino powered or something. Has like a little. You can build a BS meter. Sure. You can build a BS meter. That'd be really easy. Fun little project if you want to get into well, it. Well, I mean, if you're going to do BS that, then meter. it has to be um, the, the the reading on that has to be um, 
I forget what the actual, uh, not a pneumatic sensor, but basically fist slams. Like I have to be able to smash a thing. And depending on how hard <laughs> I hit the thing, that's the BS that's translated into my BS reading. Because right. So I'm, that so the the running average number of pounds and force, force of every force of pound, pound mm-hmm. uh, is calculated into your like mean anger over time score number, that goes into the meter. Number of pounds, frequency, and 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 force. Yeah. Those would be my yeah, three over, over time for your for your, yeah. for your BS. That's that's the and then the, once it gets to the, the BS pin, formula. lights go off. Uh, a bottle of scotch pops up out of the floor, and you just stop working for the day. <laughs> <laughs> bo- like you've hit your sc- limit. You've hit your limit. You're done. <laughs> a bottle of scotch pops up. And your printer just prints out the last copy of your resume so that you can start editing and updating it. You can just start redlining it. Just, it. <laughs> it just changes your LinkedIn status to looking. <laughs> it just automatically. They got an API, right? <laughs> just automatically. Yeah, they do. It changes your LinkedIn status. <laughs> so that you get even more spam from those damned headhunters. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've always thought about having, so when I'm on a conference, I've been working from home for about almost eight years now. And um, <clears throat> I've always, I've thought about put, getting buying one of those little on air lights, putting it outside my office door in the hallway mm-hmm. so that the family knows, you know, somebody wants to come and ask me a question, like on, I'm in a meeting, I'm on air. You know, yeah. I thought about getting one of those, putting a little switch on my desk. I might have to put next to it, like some kind of either BS meter or like angryometer. And so <laughs> I can know like how my day is going. But oh, no, you, you no, really no, no, want to no, no. come you in need, here. No, this is, this is obvious what you need. You need that, that red light wrapped in the in the in the metal from the submarine no yeah you know, that's, the, those that's the on-air light. light yeah 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 no no, yeah. no 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 not that not that next to the on-air light oh, you oh, have okay. um let me try i'm trying um you've seen ghostbusters right yeah, obviously okay thank you You're red-blooded god-fearing american, american citizen right, yeah. i've seen ghostbusters <laughs> so so there's the scene <laughs> where uh the the uh the city uh, the epa guy peck finally has his way and they force them to shut down the containment unit. right okay do you remember the red light and the and that yes. horn that was going off you need yeah. that red light and that oh. horn yes. <laughs> that's what you need <laughs> now that visual will be stuck in your head yeah so you you, you mash you build your patience critically low warning <laughs> That's awesome. Maintain minimum distance of 50 yards <laughs> from the blast radius, from the blast source. <laughs> Splash damage. This would be, this would be as that. bad as giving me a soundboard. I would go overboard. I'd have like, okay, have I, there's a meter. Have I had enough caffeine yet to deal with you? That's another, like pretty soon. It's just, it's going to look like steampunk in here. I'm going to have so many gauges and bells and whistles. I want one of those from the dinosaurs, you know, the, the steam whistle. I need one of those. On the plus side, this would probably solve your shoulder issue since you would be moving your arms around to grab. Oh, no, all think this of the upper body crap. dexterity because I got a, you know, I have a. It's modest, but like I cannot reach any two walls at the same time. Like I'd really have to stretch and pull. You know, on all <laughs> Depending these on where levers. you installed the pulleys, yeah, it would be a physical work. Would become a physical activity. This is. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I think we're just about out of time for today. Uh, do you have a, do you have a pick? We've actually made some I picks. Have. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm going to do a pick just to keep it, keep it with, but, uh, yeah, I would say Moonlander because that's not a pick. I, I haven't picked really? it yet, yeah. so I can't recommend check it. it out. I, I'm, I'm leaning there. I can have keyboard you, I'm really would be a leaning pick. towards it. I mean, you've used that. We've keyboard, both used DOS yeah. keyboard and that would be a pick. Yeah. <clears throat> DOS keyboard. You know what? I'm going to do, we, we spent a lot on, on keyboards. I'm, my pick is going to be my mouse, my current mouse. I used to have a Logitech G700. Okay. Um, and that was a, a simple little mouse. It just had a couple of extra buttons on the right, ri- uh, left ridge next mm-hmm. to the forefinger. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had one mapped to escape, one to Alt F4 and one to F5. Mm-hmm. So like, get you know close pop up close app refresh were my hotkeys on my mouse that was pretty cool um but for the last couple of years i've rolled the logitech mx master 2s uh and they, i think there's a three now but the the mx master the whole shtick here it's got a couple like forward back button on the side hold hold, hold it, it up a, for me i think i've used it just hold it up yeah, so i can it's, see it. it's got a this is this is great radio uh for our audience um, okay i know which one you're talking about it's got okay. uh, it's got a couple of programmable buttons. That's not the that's not the feature though. The feature is I think they call it the the mag mag speed wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody knows what it sounds like when you've got a a clicky scroll wheel, mm-hmm. and everybody knows what a free scrolling wheel is. Mm-hmm. This um, it is at at low. How do I explain this? At low scroll speeds, it's clicky. It is a clicky wheel. If you flick the wheel and get it moving fast enough, there's a little electromagnet that disengages and shifts it over into free spin mode. So you can do your normal like clicking through a select box or scrolling line by line in code. But if you want to just go all the way to the top of a document or something like that, you can flick the wheel and it will free spin. Um, and then when it slows down enough, usually just about when it stops, uh, the electromagnet automatically reengages. Right. And it goes back to clicky mode. Um, so that's the that's the MX Master by Logitech. I think there's a version three out now. Pardon me. I've been using this for a couple of years. Okay. Um, really solid piece of kit. I love the scroll. I actually tried going back to the G700 uh, because I missed my hotkey buttons. And I found that at least at that phase of my life, I missed then the mag speed wheel more. So I mm-hmm. wound up going back. Um, so I still have both, but the, the MX Master has been my my jam. For, I want I want both. I want this mouse, the MX Master, with just a couple of programmable buttons uh, on the you know next to the forefinger. But mm-hmm. so far, no avail. I've been looking. Razer has some nice stuff. I've been looking at, but again, they don't have the wheel, so I'm back to yeah. square one. Um, so I have used Razer. Uh, the Razer. The problem with Razers is that they require you to install their. There, you install the the mouse software. They all come with it for the programmable mm-hmm. stuff and onboard mm-hmm. memory and so on. They require you to have an account and to sign in on their stupid service just to use the software on your desktop, which mm. rubs me. Something about that's creepy. It's just it's unnecessary. I know what you're doing. I mean, that's that is that is yeah. clearly your marketing team. Yeah. Owning your product team. That's I, yeah, I already that's know exactly how that conversation that went down. That's exactly in the what feature development session where that now, came about. Okay. So, <laughs> so to their, okay. So, so uh, on the positive side, once you use, once you configure the mouse, are the profiles and settings on board? So, do you need the software right. is like it a, resident? Is it hardware based? Yeah, yeah. Is it hardware based? Yeah, it is hardware based. So, you can okay. get away with it. You lose the, the, the UI 
on your desktop and you can't change it, but you have, you know, there's the light up, there's the the little lights on it so you can see which right. which profile. Because that's on, that's the way I've like done that, it in the past. Right. A lot of that stuff, you know, it's all it's mostly all Windows based. Um and I do I do have a, a Windows machine that I I configure the hardware on, but as long mm-hmm. as it's got onboard profile, then I'm I'm using yeah, you know, I'm usually using Linux, You're using Linux. Uh, for personal yeah. use. So I'm I'm okay if it I'm okay if the profiles are stored on board as right. long as I don't need resident program to interoperate with them then okay so I uh, uh, but yeah that's that is that's the marketing that's marketing it, yeah, team yeah, overruling yeah. product now Absolutely. I actually want to I, I actually want to compliment your pick up I'll, I'll I'll include my my mouse as well in this one it's not actually the razor and so I don't want to give t- I actually used a razor and beat the crap out of it and it died um mm-hmm. so and for a gaming razor to you know gaming mouse company. You know, to yeah. procla- self-proclaimed gaming company to have their crap die because I used it too much. Eh, that's not exactly mm-hmm. the best vote of confidence. I am so complimenting my Fnatic keyboard. I have the Fnatic clutch, which is uh, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's a very, very straightforward. It's a simple design. It's got back and forward buttons. It's got the onboard um, uh, speed uh, sensor. And mm-hmm. that's it. It's it's really straightforward. It's got a nice um it's it's a nice design it's a nice shape um if you are if you get into mice you learn about the different grip styles standard mice have there are two basic ones there's the claw grip and there's a palm grip palm means your hand just kind of rests on top of it claw means you actually grab it right like your hand is the claw and you you wrap around i am 100 claw grip this is great for claw grip it's an awesome mouse for that it has huge huge slider pads on the bottom so friction Mm. is never a problem uh it has stayed relatively clean so it doesn't have a lot of edges and bevels and things like that that catch catch grime and uh, detritus so none of that and it's rock solid in terms of its performance and it hasn't i have plugged this thing in and i haven't thought about it i have eaten mice over (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally in my mouth, just, I go through them really, really fast. I have not been, this one has, has held up. And so I, I, I highly recommend the fanatic clutch. If you don't have wheelie needs like Chris here, wheel. I didn't, I didn't know it was something I was missing until I tried it and uh, <laughs> I fell in love. All right. So there's your pick of the day. Go help, go ahead and get yourself augmented. Super augmented, silent and deadly. I just might end up enjoying this. All right, man. Well, any other well, closing to thoughts? Talk to you again? Any closing thoughts for you? I think we're good. No, not for me. Uh, as we uh, record this, we're mid mid holiday, so um, yep. I hope uh, hope you're enjoying uh, some downtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, uh, otherwise, no. I think it was a good chat. I look yeah. forward to talking again next week. All right, man. You have a good one. Y'all take care. We'll see you for the next episode of Refactored. Later. Cheers. 